You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Forfeit the game before somebody else takes you out of the frame. Put your name to shame, cover up your face. You can't run the race, the pace is too fast, you just won't last. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucs podcast. I'm James Jericho, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Coming up on today's episode, David and I are going to do a little mock draft Friday. We are going to have a little bit of fun, so here are the ground rules. We are going to alternate picks, starting with David and the Arizona Cardinals. Now, when we get to pick number five, David and I will not be selecting a player for the Buccaneers there. Oh, no. We are selecting a trade scenario. So David and I are each going to come up with a trade that the Buccaneers can make at the number five pick and then say which player we believe they would target or that they would draft with their new pick we're not going to mock all the picks in between because i have no idea who david is trading with he has no idea who i'm trading with um so we are going to use our our best judgment to figure out which players would be there at that moment in time and which which of those players would fit what the buccaneers want to do sound good outstanding and i hope all of you answered me when I asked if that sounded good, because that was kind of my goal. Just a fun little way to send you all into the weekend. So without further ado, David Harrison and the Arizona Cardinals are on the clock. <clears throat> well, after, after much consideration and thought, uh, the, the Cardinals are drafting Kyler Murray. There's nothing, nothing else to say. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so they're not going to trade their number one pick to the Mets for Tim Tebow? <laughs> no. Okay. Just making sure. All right. Well, that means that John Lynch is salivating at this moment in time because now with the number two pick, he will get to select. Is it? Uh, oh, I, I'm, I'm about to mess this up and make the Ohio State fan mad. It's Nick Bosa, right? Yes, of course. Okay. It's Nick Bosa. What's wrong I, with you? I had a brain fart for a second. I was about to say Nick, and I'm like, wait, was it Nick or Joey? I'm pretty sure Joey is the one playing in Los Diego Angeles. Um, <laughs> but but then I had to, yeah, I, I had to question myself there for a second. So yes, the edge rusher from the Ohio State suck eyes, Nick Bosa, wow. will go to the San Francisco 49ers. So David, the New York Jets are on the clock, and one can only assume that they're going running back here, right? They don't have a running back. They don't have, yeah, they don't have a running back. Um, <laughs> so the New York Jets have the choice between basically Quinn Williams and Josh Allen, and it really just kind of depends on where they want to get better on their defense uh, the most, and I feel like that's going to be the edge. So even though it's a deep edge class and they could potentially get edge talent later, I think they want to hit the home run there and, and uh, really bolster their pass rush in 2019. So it's going to be Josh Allen out of Kentucky uh, to the Jets at pick number three. Okay. All right. I, I like that pick. If if I was the Jets, I probably would have gone Quinn and Williams there. I think he would have been a great fit. But that means that John Gruden, draft guru that he is, cough, cough, is <laughs> uh, he's he's looking at this. 
and he's talking to his boy Mike, and they're saying, "Okay, do we do we go with Quinn and Williams, or do we pair up DK Metcalf with Antonio Brown? You know, get that that sexy pick in there because we all know that John Gruden likes to make those sexy picks that are not smart football picks. We saw it plenty of times in in Tampa, um, but I think." Mayock will probably talk a little bit of sense into into Johnny Boy, and to me, Quinn and Williams would be the the slam dunk pick here for the Raiders at number four. So that means the top two edge rushers and the top interior defensive linemen are all gone, and the Buccaneers are on the clock, and that means the phone is going to start ringing. So David, you are now Jason Light. Who are you on the phone with? to make a deal and trade out of this spot. Well, I'll tell you what, the fact that the Raiders took Quinn and Williams just makes this trade scenario even more likely than it, than it was before. I think without, you know, Josh Allen on the board, without obviously Nick Bosa on the board and now without Quinn and Williams on the board, the Buccaneers really need to move out of pick number five, because there's some, there's obviously talented players at the top of the draft, but looking at spending the, the number five pick overall, looking at the available list of players. I mean, it, it's just not that I don't like any of them. Obviously, I like some of them, but it would be better to trade back, stockpile a few picks if you can, and get some talented players because the, the first round is, is full of talent, even uh, outside the top five. So here is what I'm looking at. I'm looking for a team that wants to invest in their future and is ready to invest in their future now, and they want to lock down – their quarterback of the future. And when I look at a team, when I look across the NFL, I think the team that is most preparing right now for their future with their current moves and in need of a trade-up to secure the quarterback of their future are the Miami Dolphins. So that's the call that Jason Light is going to answer. That's the trade that Jason Light is going to make. He's going to trade with the Miami Dolphins, and he's going to get pick 13 in the 2019 draft, obviously. And the Dolphins are going to move up to pick five. However, the Buccaneers are also going to get the Miami Dolphins' second-round draft pick, which is number is which is pick 48 overall. So now in the second round, they have pick number 39 and 48. So that's three picks in the top 50. Now here's where things get a little bit tricky. Because if you look at the traditional draft value chart, there's a little bit of there's some, there's some points left hanging on the board there. And like you pointed out in previous episodes, when you're talking about dr- trading up to draft a franchise quarterback, the, the value goes up a little bit. But the Miami Dolphins, like I said, they're trying to set up their future. So they're not going to want to get fleeced necessarily. They're not going to want to give, uh, give up the rest of their, their potential future uh, stockpile of picks to, to, to make this one move. So they're going to kind of be hesitant. They're not going to want to give up like their third round pick in this year's draft and then go from, you know, selecting three times in the top 100 to once in the first two days. They're just not going to want to do that. And as the Buccaneers, again, you're in a situation where you can add good talent and pick five, but really you'd rather trade back. So it's kind of a, a, give, and get, a give and take there because both of you have reasons to do what you're doing other than just stockpiling draft picks. So because of that, the Miami Dolphins third round pick this year would be worth about 190 points. That's a little bit rich, but like, like you said, that quarterback inflation kind of makes it worth it. However, I think Jason Light wanting to get the deal done, 
understanding that the Dolphins don't want to mortgage all their draft picks from this year, all the draft out from this year, is going to allow the Dolphins to defer that third-round pick to 2020. However, the Dolphins are going to have to throw in a six-rounder to pay for that deferment as interest. So the Buccaneers get the Dolphins' first-round pick this year, which is pick number 13, their second-round pick, which is pick number 48, and their 2020 third- and sixth-round picks in exchange for the number five overall pick. And the Miami Dolphins then draft Dwayne Haskins. I hate everything about this. Which puts two Buckeyes in the top five of this draft class, James. I hate everything about this. Of course I will tell you why. Because this is why in our pre-show meeting, I said, should we discuss who we're going to trade with? Because that is the exact scenario that I had created. Now, my compensation from the Dolphins was a little bit different. Right, which is why I didn't want to talk about it. So now give me your give me what you are getting for the Dolphins so that I can win this conversation. Because I had the Dolphins trading up for Dwayne Haskins to get ahead of the Giants. And I was looking at it and I said, okay, the Dolphins would give up their first round pick, their second round pick. The Bucks and Dolphins would swap fifth round picks. And the Dolphins would give up their second rounder for next year. So that would give the Bucks the Dolphins first and second rounders, first, second, and fifth rounders in 2019. The Dolphins get the Bucks first and fifth rounders in 2019. And the Bucks also get the Dolphins second rounder in 2020. But since you've gone and ruined all of that, I didn't ruin anything. Jason Light's going to pick up the phone and he's going to say, hey. Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh, that's right. You have to pick your player. Not yet. I want to respond. I'm going to let you finish what you were just talking about. But I want to respond to your initial trade scenario. Because, yeah, because you did mention, you know, uh, for for the sake of the episode and for our listeners not having to listen to both of us talk about the same team they're trading back with that we, you know, maybe we can pre-stage it. However, I wanted to make sure that what we were doing was, was authentic, even if it meant we were looking at the same team, because I think what this does is what it really does is it, it gives a little validity to the idea that the, the Buccaneers could end up in talks with the Miami Dolphins for a trade back prior to or on draft night. Um, and what I really like, what I really find interesting, and hopefully those of you listening find it somewhat interesting too. I don't know. I'm a huge draft nerd, so maybe I'm the only one. But really, if you think about it, right, we both kind of did the exact same thing. So we're talking about swapping. You're talking about swapping fifth-round picks this year in exchange for getting a second-round pick next year. So what you're talking about is, hey, Dolphins, we're going to ask you to mortgage a little bit of your future, probably more than you want to. However, in exchange for that, we're going to give you a better fifth-round draft pick this year. It's only four or five spots, but, I mean, if you if you – Turn that draft pick into some something that's valuable. You know, you, you might have something something to work with there, and you never know. The, the Dolphins could then turn that higher, that top one hundred and fifty pick. You know, moving into the top one hundred and fifty with that fifth round pick into a package to move up for a, a fourth round draft pick. Who knows what they could do with that? Um, and in exchange, you get a second round draft pick. So you're kind of doing the same thing. Whereas me, I'm deferring the interest 
to next year, you're kind of like, you're kind of telling them, hey, you can do like an early withdrawal on your payment by swapping fifths this year. However, the overall balloon payment is going to be a little, a little bit more expensive. So, so we kind of have the same idea, which I really enjoy. And I really thought was kind of cool. Um, but you were saying Jason Lyons picking up the phone. I want to let you finish that trade before I divulge who I have the Buccaneers picking with the 13th pick. Okay. Well, yeah. And this one, it's it's not going to get as big of a return, but they're also not going to drop as far back. So Jason Light's picking up the phone and he's saying, hey, John Elway, I'm sorry that you signed Joe Flacco or you traded for Joe Flacco. You're probably going to want to look ahead uh, you know, to the future. Now, I got the Giants breathing down my neck because they need to replace Eli Manning. We got the Dolphins who are in quarterback desperation land. What are you going to do for me to come up here and get Dwayne Haskins? And so John Elway says, all right, I'm going to give you our first round pick. I'm going to give you our second round pick. And I'm going to give you our third round pick. There's that quarterback premium right there. Now, could Jason Light possibly pull off you know, getting a, an additional pick next year? Maybe, but you're talking about a team now that is having to bid against, you know, essentially two other teams. He has to outbid the Dolphins to get up there and he has to make sure that he gets ahead of the Giants. So he's fighting with, with two other teams to get Dwayne Haskins. So that would give the Bucks the number 10 pick, the number, they have the number 39 pick. They would also get the number 41 pick. Then they would have picks 70 and 71 in the third. So you're talking about five picks in the top 75 of this draft. And the Broncos aren't as far away as, as the Dolphins. They have talent on that team right now. They have a solid running game with Lindsey. They still have, you know, decent receivers. They still have a relatively good defense. They're not as far away. They can afford to give up their first two days of drafts to ensure that they get their quarterback for the next decade. And I think sitting behind Flacco for a year is going to do Dwayne Haskins a lot of good. And I've said it before. I don't know if I've said it on this podcast or not, but you and I talked about it when we were in Indianapolis. If Dwayne Haskins goes into a situation where he starts immediately, I believe he's going to fail. Dwayne Haskins' best chance to become a legitimate starting quarterback in the NFL, he's going to have to come in and sit and learn. Now, if this was last year's draft class, I think Dwayne Haskins is a day two pick. There's no question in my mind. I, I'm not sold really on any of these quarterbacks, but we all know how crazy these teams get for quarterbacks. And I think Jason Light could pull off a trade that would give them, oh, my bad. I, I Yeah, it would give them five picks in the top 75 of this draft. Yeah, that's that's an incredibly rich trade. And it's, and it's funny because on the surface, your immediate gut reaction is why would the Denver Broncos, who have a higher draft pick to swap in the first round, then give up more draft capital? But I think you kind of talked about already the Denver Broncos, despite the fact that they're picking 10th in this year's draft and the Dolphins are picking 13th, the Broncos are, are, are closer to challenging for a playoff spot or for a Super Bowl title, whatever you want to call it, than the Dolphins are. And, and uh, so that that helps. And 
then you're talking about John Elway. I mean, John Elway, I don't think John Elway will ever be in a rebuild mode. John Elway is always going to be in a win now mode. I think it's just his mentality coming from when he left college to when he was in the pros and in now as, as general manager and whatever other titles, I think he holds another title with the Broncos, whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, I could actually see John Elway potentially pulling the trigger on a deal like this if he feels like uh, that's something that's going to help the Denver Broncos win in the short term while the Dolphins might be a little bit more prudent about how much capital they're willing to give up because they are playing the long game. So, yeah, interesting, interesting, interesting idea. I would be happy with either trade, to be honest with you. I mean, having five picks in the top 75 in this year's class would obviously be very exciting. Um, but even if even if the, the trade, yours or mine, for with the Dolphins went through, I would be perfectly happy with with either one of those as well. Obviously, oh, mine because I came up with it. So, well, yeah. <laughs> well, mine the Bucks get you know. Let's say wait. What was yours? Was the Dolphins first, second, first and second year, this year, and, and then third and sixth of next year? Okay, so in 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 my Dolphins scenario, the Bucks are getting the same number of picks this year but they're getting the better picks next year yes i think i don't know that's a lot of picks to go through i don't have it a whiteboard is. in front of me either way the buccaneers come out winners which is i mean when, when you're talking about trading back you should come out the winner in draft capital because that's the idea of trading back right you're not going to trade back and come out the loser but yeah all, all of those sound good all right. Well, David, we've we've made our trades and for the sake of the rest of the, well, you know what? I'll I'll go ahead and I'll touch on both of my picks since I've created two trade scenarios since you stole mine. Um, but let's segue <laughs> into the picks that the Buccaneers could would should make given these trade scenarios. So now you've traded back with the Dolphins. Who are you looking at at pick number 13? So with pick number 13, this is someone that you've seen mocked to the Atlanta Falcons a couple times. I've seen mocked to the Atlanta Falcons a couple times. So that's what makes this trade a little bit more valuable is the fact that the Buccaneers are trading back, stockpiling draft capital. But then they also get to swoop in while coming from ahead in a weird way, right in front of division rival Atlanta Falcons to draft Ed Oliver out of Houston for their defensive line. Interesting. Yes, sir. Very interesting. And it's just there's there's potential there as well, James, that after that happens sometime before or during day two, the Buccaneers might also happen to grab a third or fourth round draft pick to add to their 2019 stockpile because of this very draft pick. Oh, you're 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 talking trade McCoy. I mean, I was kind of insinuating it. Yes, but if we're just going to. Say it out loud. But yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. If the Buccaneers draft Ed Oliver at number 13, one, you're getting really good value for him because if he turns out to be what everybody hopes he could be at pick number 13, that's going to be a steal. If he doesn't, and this is kind of what I've talked about before, is the value of, of trading back. If he doesn't, the Buccaneers have not one but two chances to get it right in the second round. And if they do that, then while some Jason Light detractors will, of course, point out the failure of Ed Oliver, they will the, the Jason Light supporters will have the success of whatever second round draft pick is good to lean on to say, well, but what about this? Um, but what I, what I really like about Ed Oliver is this: we we think that Gerald McCoy 
could potentially be successful in a 3-4 playing as a defensive end sort of player versus an interior lineman, possibly because he kind of did it a long time ago. Ed Oliver has been doing it recently. Ed Oliver looks the part. He's young. He's athletic. He's motivated. He wants to do it. He said at the combine, I'll play nose. I'll play, I'll play, I'll play three tech. I'll play on the edge. I'll play standing up. I'll play middle linebacker. Whatever you want me to do as a defensive player, I will do it and I will do it to the best of my ability. And the great thing about him saying all that stuff, right, is that he could actually do it. Well, I don't think he'd be a middle linebacker, but he could actually do what he says he's willing to do. And the Buccaneers have defensive coaches who could actually theoretically use him in some of those those avenues. I mean, even even let's talk about like a like a goal line situation. You could actually even see a scenario where you want so many pieces of, of or, or talented players in your in your short short yardage package that Ed Oliver is kind of lined up in a in a pseudo middle linebacker position. While he won't be making the calls and aligning the defense by any means, he could be kind of lined up in that area of the field if, if you follow what I mean. So just a, a very versatile and exciting player uh, that could that could be be added to this team. Talking to him, his personality is is great. And as much as people don't talk about it, as much personality in a locker room is important because if you if your players don't get along and don't click, then then that's just that's just one more problem you have to to or one more hurdle you have to clear on top of everything else that happens uh, in the league. And pairing them with you know new signees like like Shaq Barrett and and you're talking about Daniel Buchanan and JPP's already there, Levante David, uh, Vita Vea coming back, Carl Nassib is there. I mean, that's a that's a pretty stout defense. And like I said, if you can then turn a guy like Gerald McCoy into a third or possibly fourth round draft pick uh, on top of it. Then with with an edge class as as stacked as this one is, and with some of the, the secondary pieces that are supposed to be available there, late day two, early day three, some of the running backs that are probably going to be available. Uh, I mean, the, the the possibilities are endless. So uh, something something of a domino effect, which I didn't obviously tie in my initial trade proposal, but that obviously was kind of the domino idea I had moving forward with it. Okay, all right, I like that a lot. All right, in in my in my trade scenario, and I'm about to make a lot of people mad, but I don't care. We're gonna go with my Denver, my my Denver Bronco trade scenario first. Because ultimately, I might go ahead and agree with you on the <clears throat> on the Dolphins trade scenario and the pick at 13. Might tweak it a little bit. Because I think there's a chance that Oliver may not be there. Of course, there's a chance that none of these guys will be there. So it's all a moot point. It's all just fun and games and, and predicting. But when I look at the number 10 pick, now the Bucks have stockpiled two more picks for the next day. And what is something, David, that you and I have talked about repeatedly on this show when it comes to the draft and the best player available? Uh, what's the word? I'm, what's the word I'm looking for? Um uh theory stigma maybe i guess that it sucks well no <laughs> do you want to take which part oh uh, yeah 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 i don't know do you want to take the the third or fourth or fifth best player at one position yeah. or do you want to take the best player at another position i want to take the best lsu linebacker at his position Ah, uh, yeah. At number 10, the Buccaneers would take Devin White. And this is why. And this is something that we've talked about ad nauseum on this show. 
when you look at the linebacking depth in this draft, it's non-existent. There are three linebackers in this class that are legitimate starters, and Devin White is the best of all of them. When you have a need like the Buccaneers do at inside linebacker, that's the guy you want to go with. It's it's a guy who is a – he has sideline to sideline speed and pursuit. He's solid in coverage, I saw, and everybody knows my feelings towards pro football focus, but for those that do take into account their grades and everything – out of the linebackers that would drop back into pass coverage in college last year, Devin White allowed the fewest receptions for the fewest yards. He can cover. He has speed. He is going to help the front and the back end of this defense. That's what you're looking for with a top 10 pick, somebody who's an instant impact guy that can come in and help everyone around him. Freeze up Levante David to go back to getting after the quarterback. We've seen how successful he is when he actually gets to blitz. But, you know, you're you're falling back five spots. You're picking up two additional draft picks, and you're still getting the guy that you can use in the very middle of your defense as you're shifting schemes to be a legitimate starter with a superstar ceiling. So at number 10, my pick would be Devin White. Now, here's where it gets tricky. If the Bucks fall back to 13, Devin White will not be there. I promise you, if he continues to slip, he's not getting past Cincinnati. Nope. Cincinnati will take either Devin White or Devin Bush. They are taking one of they're taking Devin. From now on, every mock draft that has Cincinnati, just write Devin linebacker because you're going to be right. It's going to be one of those two guys, especially after they just got rid of Vontez Perfect. So Devin White's off the table. Now you start looking at it. You're at 13, and you have the potential that Ed Oliver is there. Devin Bush could be there. Brian Burns would be there. So now you have to look at it as, do we want to secure the middle, the the inside linebacker position with Bush? Another guy, and he's he's good. I know you hate Michigan. I know. I get it. But, you know, Bush is a – I didn't a, even say anything. I saw it. I saw the look on your face, even though I'm not looking at your face because I'm talking about a Michigan guy. Once they leave the school, they're no longer affiliated with that rivalry in my shenanigans shenanigans okay uh you know white is the best linebacker bush is not far behind they are by far the two elite linebacker prospects there might be one or two other starters in this draft but it's these two guys another guy who's solid in coverage he can get after the quarterback a little bit better than devin white can But overall, he would be a phenomenal pick at 13. You already talked about Ed Oliver. So what are they going to do? Do they do they draft Oliver? Now you can flip McCoy uh, potentially in a in a trade and and pick up another fourth or fifth or maybe, you know, another pick somewhere. And the compensation may not be a lot. I think you're looking at a at a day three pick. You're looking at a fifth or sixth rounder because of the contract. He still has thirty seven million dollars on that contract over the next three years. Or are you looking at the edge? 
Are you looking to unload Jason Pierre-Paul in that $14.5 million salary? You can bring in Burns, and we all know the Florida State crazies are going to go crazy over it because, oh, God, we got to have a Florida State player in the draft. But he does fill a need. He does he does help the defense, and he would be a solid pick at 13. So what direction <clears> – <throat> would the Bucks go in? And David, I'll open this up to you. If that's the scenario, I mean, obviously your, your favorite there is going to be Oliver because that's who you already picked. But I mean, what would you, what would you think would be the best in terms of, you know, overall, you know, we talk about position scarcity. We talk about wanting to take, you know, the, the better of the players at the positions it need. So when you look at, at a trio like that, that they could be looking at at 13, you know, would would Devin Bush be the smarter pick because of the depth available later along the defensive line? Yeah, so they all bring, you know, very good qualities to a defense. And, I mean, they – you can make an argument for all of them. They, they would all be worthy of 13 overall picks, if, if you ask me. I like – I like Oliver, and the reason I said Oliver is because of – one, the versatility he brings. Like, Devin Bush is not going to be an edge rusher. Devin Bush cannot put his hand in the dirt and be an effective defensive lineman. However, Ed Oliver can be serviceable in both of those roles, right? And then you look at Burns. I mean, I think Burns is going to be better coming off the edge as a stand-up guy. Obviously, he can put his hand in the dirt. I, I don't think he would necessarily – I mean, it's not like he would disappear off the face of the planet, but I think that Ed, Ed Oliver just has the higher upside as of right now than – than Burns does, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate any of those those selections, uh, no matter what college they came from. As far as number ten, going with Devin White, I, I understand people who who think that interior linebacker isn't worth it because of the stat production that they they bring to the table. However, what people have to remember is you can say the same thing about a center in the National Football League. A center in the National Football League is not protecting anybody's blind side and, and, and all this other stuff. And most gaps that running backs run through are not going to come off of this between the center and the guards. Usually you're running between the tackles. You're running outside the edge, and especially in today's NFL. So the center is, and this is something that Ryan Jensen commented on, right? The center is not the sexy pick for anybody. Nobody, I don't think I've ever heard any one person actually ever say who wasn't a center say that the center is the most valuable part of the offensive line. However, don't undersell what having a really good and really intelligent center can bring to your offense. Because if you have a situation where let's say you're, you have a quarterback who has too many things going on in their mind and the answer to making them more effective is simplicity. Let's, let's simplify things. Let's take some of the stuff off his plate so that the things that are on his plate, he can really focus on really hone in on and really become an expert on having that center who can take the rest of those responsibilities, call those schemes or call those adjustments identify those blitzers, identify the mic, all that stuff helps you do that. And so in that case, if that's what you're looking for, that center becomes incredibly, incredibly valuable. So that's how you can see some, like, uh, some centers go a little bit earlier than traditionally uh, maybe in, in past drafts. So that's what we're talking about with Devin White. Devin White is a guy who not only has the range to play sideline to sideline, he's got coverage skills, he's got tackle skills, but he's intelligent. He knows football. Like, every report every rumor that we heard coming out of the combine is that he killed every single meeting that he had. Like teams come out, came out of their meetings, absolutely loving Devin white as a potential football player and leader on their team. Cause make no doubt about it. 
your interior linebacker who's setting the setting the table for the defense is a leader on the team, whether they're wearing a captain's patch or not. And that's kind of what you had with with a guy like Juan Alexander, who, you know, uh, for for all of his flaws as a player, was a superb leader and, and really, you know, the, the whole heart and soul thing. Devin White can become that, which when you're a team like the Buccaneers, who right now you're kind of missing that, right? Like Le- Levante David. Is he really moving inside? And if he's moving inside, is he really ready to set the defense and everything else? And some people might get offended by that and say, why is Levante David? Well, Levante David was in camp with Quan Alexander and Quan's rookie year. They were going back and forth during practices, setting the defense and calling the signals and, and getting the shifts down and, and doing all that stuff. And guess who won the green sticker? That would be Quan. That would be Quan, the rookie. The rookie won the green sticker. I'm not saying Levante can't do it, but what I'm saying is there's a reason. And I'm willing to succeed to, to admit, rather, that perhaps that was Mike Smith's hard-headedness saying, no, the Mike is going to wear the Mike, <laughs> right? Um, I don't know, perhaps. That, that like, may very well be it, okay? But whatever the reason was, the bottom line is that Levante David has not had to do that in his professional career, um, at least not on a consistent basis. So, Devin White being able to do that, Devin White having the opportunity to do that, that brings his value up a little bit and could warrant a top 10 draft pick. Does it warrant a top five draft pick? I mean, I've, I've gone on record. I'm not changing my mind. If the Buccaneers absolutely don't have a trade partner number five, I don't have a problem with them taking Devin White. I think it puts a whole lot more pressure on Devin White because as a middle linebacker, being the top, being a top five pick, you're going to have a, a ton of pressure on you. But you know, but the, the question everybody has to ask themselves is this. With the number 10 pick, if, if, the, if the Buccaneers make a trade with the Denver Broncos and take Devin White at number 10, that projects, according to over the cap, so take it with a grain of salt, to about $3.5 million in his rookie year. That's the equivalent of Denzel Perryman from the Los Diegos Chargers. So let me ask you this. Who would you rather have, Denzel Perryman or Devin White? Oh, Devin White. I'd rather have Devin White. And who would you, what would you rather have? And I'm going to kind of steal Trevor's thing from, from his whole thing about Cam Bray, right? Would you rather have Quan Alexander and 12 million fewer dollars estimated, or would you rather have Devin White and 12 million more dollars? Uh, Devin White and 12 million more. Yeah. I mean, I think there's some pause there, and there's going to be some people who are like, no, no, I'd rather have Quan. And there's going to be some people who are like, no, I'd rather have Devin. But I think no matter what, the pause is going to be there. Like, even if you go with Quan, you're not going to go, oh, easily Quan. You're going to you're going to go, oh, I still want Quan. But that pause is what shows you why the value is there. That's that's what we're trying to get at is that pause is your team needing a guy who's going to set the table and a guy who can play in the middle, knowing that he has that range and that ability uh, that we don't have right now on the team as it stands. Yeah, and uh, real quick before we wrap things up, you know, if if the trade scenario with the Broncos worked out, looking at last year's rookie salary numbers, and of course it'll it'll adjust a little bit, um, but with the with the wage scale, it's not going to differentiate too much. The difference between last year's number five pick, which was um, Chubb from from the Broncos. And the number 10 pick, which was Josh Rosen of the Cardinals, the difference was $10 million. Now, as far as the difference between the number five pick and the number 13 pick, which you're looking at the difference between Chubb and 
Deron Payne of the Washington Redskins, $13 million. Yeah. That's, the, that's the difference in the money that you're going to be spending if the Bucks were to drop from 5 to 10 or 5 to 13. It's a, it's a pretty drastic drop. So you're looking at basically Deron Payne made half of what Bradley Chubb made. Nice. So food for thought. But yeah, David, this was a this was a fun little experiment, and uh, I think I think we solved some things today. I think so. Let's let's make sure that this gets signed and sealed and delivered to Jason Light because he's gonna he's gonna want to execute some of these ideas. Absolutely, I think we just need to be in the war room with him. <laughs> okay, what I said was crazy. What you said was just certifiable. What if we promise not to talk? I don't think it's gonna matter. And. We'll leave our cell phones at reception so that we can't even take photos and we can just sit and observe. I think the only way either one of us is getting in there is we get hired by the coffee service that gets to serve them coffee in between breaks. And we'll sign non-disclosure agreements that we will not talk about what happened in said room. I just want to watch it happen. See, the problem with non-disclosure agreement is you can only sue the person who signs it. You can't sue quote-unquote sources sources aren't people but we have no way to reach quote-unquote sources if we had to check our phones in so that we don't have them i'm i'm skilled in many different forms of of communication sir no you have no contact with the outside world you just have to sit there and observe make sure you're checking out everything going on over at bucksnation.com make sure you're following along on twitter at locked on bucks at jarco underscore bucks at dh82 underscore bucks and at bucks underscore nation please make sure you are subscribing to the podcast on your favorite podcatcher of choice itunes google podcast podcast addict spotify we are now on himalaya so if that is your podcatcher of choice you can find us on there Hope you all have a wonderful and enjoyable weekend. And we would like to thank you all so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks.